0: Hello, this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Saturday, the 12th of June. India recorded over 84,000 cases of COVID-19 and more than 4,000 deaths in the last 24 hours. The death toll is rising as Bihar and Maharashtra add covid linked deaths that they did not report earlier. Globally, COVID 19 has infected more than 175 million people, claiming the lives of over 3.78 million. The United Kingdom government said yesterday that the Delta variant of COVID 19, which was first detected in India, is 60% more transmissible in households than the Alpha variant, which was first detected in England's Kent County. United States top virologist Anthony Fauci concurred that the Delta variant was more infectious and warned against the possibility of an increase in cases where the strain was present. Now for COVID updates from different states. Mumbai's civic body, Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation, said last night that level 3 curbs will continue in the city. Under level 3 restrictions, both essential and non-essential shops are allowed to remain open till 4pm, while malls, theatres and multiplexes will remain closed. The Tamil Nadu government yesterday extended the lockdown in the state till 6am on June 21, while easing restrictions in 27 districts, including Chennai. Bihar added more than 3,900 backlog fatalities to its death count yesterday, while the Maharashtra Health Department revised its death toll by adding over 10,000 deaths. The New Indian Express reported, citing state government sources, that the total COVID-19 death tally could increase further, so each day new death figures will be added in the state's total tally. According to the Maharashtra Health Department, they collect data on positive cases and deaths from various government sources at various platforms. A health official told the newspaper and I quote, Sometimes, the private hospitals do not share the information about positive cases and deaths on time and that piled-up data is later collaborated. So, it is not a deliberate attempt but a part of the system, unquote. The Madras High Court, meanwhile, observed yesterday that there were complaints all over the country that deaths linked to COVID-19 may not have been appropriately recorded. The bench said that accurate reporting of the toll would help in studies being undertaken to deal with a pandemic of this scale in the future. The judges added that the immediate concern was that families of those who died cannot get compensation from the state and central government unless the cause of death was stated as COVID 19. In the beginning of this week, Prime Minister Narendra Modi addressed the nation virtually, focusing mostly on how well the vaccination drive was going. In the hours leading up to his address, Multiple TV news channels spent time guessing what the Prime Minister will say in his address. ABP News' Rubika Liakath even did a countdown to Modi's address, announcing every 10 minutes how much time was left before he finally addressed the nation. Yes, this is how some news channels made use of their time instead of reporting on pressing issues. To know about how other news media utilised its time, watch this week's episode of TV Nuisance with Manisha Pandey on our website newslaundry.com or our YouTube channel. And while you're on our website, you'll notice something. Unlike a section of the media, we value your very precious time by bringing you stories that actually matter. That is why our reporters spent the second wave of the pandemic on the ground in various states reporting on the state of the healthcare infrastructure, the impact of the pandemic on various sections of the population, and how state and political apathy led to the COVID catastrophe. In their latest video report, my colleagues Akansha and Shivangi showed how a major government hospital in Alwar could have lessened the severity of the COVID crisis if it were fully functional. To know why it wasn't, watch their report titled… COVID and political apathy take a heavy toll in Rajasthan's Alwar. I also urge you to check out our ground reports covering the second wave in Uttar Pradesh, Maharashtra and Bengaluru. So listeners, if you value the time you spend watching, reading or listening to the news, head on to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner today. Lowest subscriptions start at just three hundred rupees a month. The Supreme Court yesterday questioned the central government over the delay in activating the national database for unorganised workers. The court reserved its judgement in a Suomoto case regarding the assistance to be provided to migrant workers amid the second wave of the pandemic. The bench noted that the money for the national database had already been dispersed but not even a module had been created. How long will you take? The bench asked the centre. Solicitor General Tushar Mehta, representing the centre, told the bench that there were some problems with the software, adding that the National Informatics Centre had taken over the project and it will be completed in the next three to four months. Senior advocate Colin Gonzalez called this an excuse and said that the states had already set up their own portals but had not been able to link them to the national portal as it wasn't ready yet. The Apex Court also expressed concerns about how ration will be provided to those who did not have a ration card, directing states and union territories to implement the One Nation One Ration Card scheme to help migrant workers. As the first nationwide lockdown was imposed last year, the country saw a mass migrant crisis as thousands of unorganized workers in cities made laborious journeys to their native places, many walking for days without food, water, or proper transportation. Multiple Bharatiya Janata Party leaders and workers in Lakshadweep have resigned yesterday in protest against the sedition case filed against filmmaker Aisha Sultana. Former chief of the BJP's Bitra Island unit, Abdul Hamid, was among those who resigned. In a letter to the chief of the BJP's Lakshadweep unit, C. Abdul Khadir Haji, 12 leaders and workers of the BJP asserted that the case against Sultana was false and unjustified. The letter said that the BJP workers on the islands were fully aware of how the new administrator Prafful Patel's controversial regulations are causing havoc among citizens. Last month, eight members of the Safran Party's youth wing had also resigned in protest against Patel's undemocratic actions. The complaint against Sultana was registered by Lakshadweep BJP chief Abdul Haji. He had accused her of making anti-national comments, tarnishing the patriotic image of the central government during a debate on a Malayalam news channel. Sultana had said that the centre was using Patel as a bio-weapon against the people of Lakshadweep. In other developments from the media, political cartoonist Manjul's contract with Network 18 has been terminated. According to The Wire, he had been working with Network 18 on a contract basis for the past six years. This came days after Twitter sent the cartoonist a notice informing him that it has received a legal request from the Indian authorities to take action against his social media profile. The cartoonist has been critically vocal of the government's handling of the second wave of the pandemic. Speaking to News Laundry earlier about the government moving to take legal action against him, Manjul had said how he felt this was purely a move to intimidate him and that he would continue to make cartoons. Meanwhile, Mohammad Zubair, the co-founder of the fact-checking website Alt News, also received an email from Twitter's legal team on Thursday. It was the 11th such notice he received in the past year. Speaking to News Laundry, Zubair explained that most of his tweets that the government had objected to were about him calling out Hindutva supporters for using derogatory terms, while the recent one was a mere fact-check of a video shared by several media outlets, BJP and RSS members. Listeners, these instances of notices being sent to journalists, filmmakers and cartoonists prompt me to recommend you a couple of pieces on our website newslaundry.com. In her latest opinion piece, Kalpana Sharma welcomes the June 3 judgment by the Supreme Court, granting protection to journalist Vinod Dua in a case registered against him by a BJP politician. In a nutshell, the judgment means that the government cannot slap sedition cases against journalists who question or criticize policy or report or expose gaps in the government's performance. But Kalpana argues that this judgment is not enough to ensure that dissenting journalists in the country will be safe. To know why, read her piece on newslaundry.com titled, Why despite ST's Vinod Dua ruling, dissenting journalists won't be safe. And to know about the current situation in Lakshadweep and how the freedom of press and expression is under threat as Praful Patel plans a slew of contentious changes in the Union territory, read my piece titled, Free Press is a Casualty as Lakshadweep's BJP Administrator Rips Up the Rule Book. The High Court of Dominica yesterday refused to grant bail to fugitive businessman Mehul Choksi in connection with his illegal entry into the island country. Judge Adrian Roberts said that Choksi was a flight risk. The court observed that the businessman had no ties to Dominica for it to impose any conditions stopping him from leaving the country. Choksi had approached the court after the magistrate rejected his bail petition. Choksi is wanted in India by the CBI and Enforcement Directorate for scamming the Punjab National Bank of Rs 13,000 crore, along with his nephew, diamond businessman Nirav Modi. Choksi's family reported him missing on May 23 from Antigua and Barbuda, where he has been staying as a citizen since 2018 after fleeing India before the PNB scam came to light. He's been in judicial custody in Dominica since May 24, charged with illegally entering the country. Reports have shown that private hospitals in India did not even use half of the vaccine doses procured by them amid various states reporting vaccine shortages. NDTV reported, citing government data, that only 17% of doses were utilised in private hospitals last month, leaving them with a massive unused stock. According to a June 4 press release by the Union Health Ministry, 1.85 crore doses were earmarked for private hospitals in May. Private hospitals across India procured 1.29 crore vaccine doses of the available 1.85 crore. However, the government's own data shows that only 22 lakh doses were used. Meanwhile, the Indian Express reported that till last week, private hospitals in Mumbai could not utilise more than 13 lakh of the over 22 lakh COVID vaccine doses that they had procured a month ago. This happened even as civic-run vaccination centres in the city had to remain shut on multiple days due to vaccine shortages, raising questions about vaccine inequity. The Maharashtra government had procured over 25 lakh doses of vaccines in May, while private hospitals in the state had bought over 32 lakh. According to The Express, the number of vaccine doses bought by private hospitals in Maharashtra was the highest among all states. According to the municipal body BMC's data, private hospitals in Mumbai administered only 3.34 lakh vaccine doses between May 1 and June 2, meaning they could only utilise 14.93% of their total stock. Vaccine procurement for the month of May was done under the center's vaccination policy implemented from May 1, where state governments and private hospitals could buy 25% each of the total production of vaccine manufacturers. Leaders of the G7 group of countries are meeting in Cornwall United Kingdom this weekend to discuss the pandemic, vaccination and the climate crisis. These countries include France, Britain, Canada, Germany, Italy, Japan and the United States. The G7 countries will agree upon the Carbis Bay Declaration today, which will set out the steps the countries will take to prevent a future pandemic. These include reducing the time taken to develop and license vaccines. It will also focus on slashing the time of treatment and diagnostics for any future disease to fewer than 100 days and garner support to reform and strengthen the World Health Organization. In a press conference before the summit, French Prime Minister Emmanuel Macron said yesterday that it was absolutely necessary for the G7 leaders to lift restrictions on the export of vaccine raw materials to India so it can increase its production and supply to other countries. Macron said that the ban on the export of raw materials imposed by G7 nations has stopped vaccination production in other countries. He added, and I quote, and sometimes it has blocked the production of middle-income countries essential for the production of vaccines for the poorest countries, unquote. Citing the example of the Serum Institute of India, which was affected by the ban and unable to meet its export commitments to other countries, Macron said, and I quote again, These restrictions must be lifted both so that India can produce more for itself and so that it can very quickly supply Africans in particular who are very dependent on its production. Macron also supported a proposal by India and South Africa at the World Trade Organization to temporarily waive the patent on coronavirus vaccines. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow.